So I had the chance to go visit this company this summer. And, and I think anytime I get a chance to go do a factory tour, or meet with people in person, I, I love to do it. I love networking. You can only do so much on Zoom and LinkedIn and emails and text messages, right? So uh, I went to go visit this company and I was really surprised. So first of all, uh, this is about Donaldson and they're, they're a big company over 11,000 employees are publicly traded billions a year in revenue, all those things. And I think what I found really interesting, as soon as you walk into their lobby, they have, I, I believe it's the original tractor that started Donaldson. So this is a multi-billion dollar company with thousands of employees. And it started with one person fixing a problem 107 years ago. And that problem was diesel engines in the farm fields didn't work too much dust. They plugged up, they dusted the engines, they had all kinds of problems. And the guy made a filter. And here our company is 107 years later, still innovating, still technology, still building things out. You would think after a hundred years, they'd be out of ideas on how to improve the product line, but they have more ideas than they have time and resources for. <laughs> so uh, you got to appreciate the entrepreneur side of that inside a bigger organization. And I also want to make sure that comes across in this video is really how important it is to have high quality products on your vehicles. There's places to go, go save money and there's places not to. And I think what Donaldson's really trying to do is actually put things out there technology wise, because what they really found is people replace their filters too often. <laughs> so, and they want to help, help get that message. Uh, so hopefully you enjoy the episode. You come away learning something about this. And I found it fascinating. Um, love factory tours, love the people at Donaldson. So again, thank you to Eric and Chris Purdy and Lori and everyone over there for putting this episode together. So without that, enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of the DL. I am your host, Tyler Robertson, also the founder and CEO of Diesel Laptops. This is the show I get to talk about all kinds of things that I find interesting. And I actually had the privilege to go visit this company, uh, meet with these people. We're doing some things with them. And I was like, man, you got to get on the podcast and talk about some of these things. Because I, I had a perception because I only kind of knew one product they had, but they're obviously a lot bigger than that. Um, so uh, I'd like to introduce Eric Miller with Donaldson. So welcome to the show, sir. Hi. Thanks, Tyler. Glad to be here. Happy to, to join you on this podcast. Well, I, I wore blue today because I know we're going to be talking to Donaldson. I know that's your I know that's your company colors. I see the blue everywhere, yeah. right? Um, so Donaldson, it's a small little tiny company in the middle of nowhere, right? Like that's 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 you guys. Yeah, yeah. About a hundred years ago, I suppose. Yeah, it, uh, it's certainly not the case now. Definitely a global company. You know, we're operating all over the world, uh, doing doing a lot of exciting things uh, uh, across the world, really. Yeah. And so it, it's, I worked in dealerships forever and I knew you guys as kind of the, you know, Donaldson filtration, right? Um, and we had your filters there for commercial trucks, but I think Donaldson's a little bit bigger than just filtration for commercial trucks. Yeah, yeah, certainly the on-road market, you know, over the highway trucks, that sort of thing is an important market for us. But, uh, when we, we look at the, the broad portion of Donaldson, you know, we're, we're a filtration company that touches, you know, everything from, disc drives and gas turbines to to diesel engines you know diesel engines is really where we got our start with with, a, with an air filter originally you know 107 years ago as as i mentioned the 100 year time frame but it's expanded quite a bit from then so while we do have air filters it's it's hydraulic it's fuel it's lube it's everything that touches a diesel engine including emissions uh, even filtering the you know the the exhaust that comes out of the engine as well so before i visited you guys i i had no idea that there wasn't 
filters on diesel engines way back in the day. Um, yeah. So that was really interesting to me. And, you know, and you guys actually have, I don't know if it's the original one or a replica of the one there, like in your lobby and everything, but it was, it was really interesting to see that. And then as I was, as I left, I was like, you know, it's actually kind of amazing. Like, I mean, filtration's a big world, right? We talked hydraulic, fuel, air, all, all these things. But air is where you guys got started. And that's still kind of like your bread and butter. Like, you guys are the OEM filter for, for all these commercial trucks when it comes to the air side of things. Is that just kind of ingrained in the company? And I, I think the air filtration goes beyond the other applications too, industrial and, and whatnot. Yeah, air is really where, where it started. And, and as we built it up, that's been our most mature product line, of course. And it, it's a place where we still have a lot of success. Um, partnering with a lot of the OEMs, with our aftermarket partners, those sort of things. It's it's what people know Donaldson as. Um, as we went through our history, you know, we started to introduce other things years later. And uh, with any business, as those products mature, they, they start to come up. But we never lost sight of that air filtration piece that uh, really made us who we are today. So one of the things, and I, again, I'm going back to my dealership days. I'm working at a dealership, you know, and there's there's a lot of brands a dealership can choose to to carry, and a lot of different brands customers can choose to buy. And I never understood, like, okay, I got this filter, it's you know fifty dollars, but I can go on Alibaba or I can go somewhere else and buy this other one for ten dollars. They both they both say they yeah. are filters. How how would you explain to people? What, what's the difference, right? Because they look the same when you look at them, right? Because they they're just a like canister, essentially. Like, what, what really is the difference when it comes to filtration? Well, it, it really comes down to performance and quality. Um, we can get a lot of things that look alike. You know, the outside of this this housing here, it's just a can. It's, it's what's happening on the inside that really makes a difference. And, and for Donaldson, we are an innovation company, technology-driven. We have more engineers and scientists than I can usually count, thousands of them, in fact. And we're doing things all the way down to the fibers in the media as we design these things to really cure some of the problems that uh, the equipment are having. You know, you think back 100 years ago and some, uh, some moss in a can was able to filter out some of the dust in a field. But nowadays, with the, the tolerances, high pressure injection, you know, turbos that are spinning even faster, you know, all, all the things that these modern engines have, they need a lot more protection. Yeah. When you compare a cheap and cheerful filter to a, a quality brand, to something like Downs with a lot of technology in there, it isn't a lot of times what you can see because what we're doing is at uh, very fine levels and um, the, the materials we use and the science we put behind it is, is quite different. Yeah, I, I just got to imagine like micron ratings, right? I mean, I, I know like microns are small things, <laughs> obviously, but I mean, it, it. I was surprised like when I was there, you guys brought me into one of your testing centers. And literally, yep. you guys had different types of dust, and you were trying to. You guys were testing, I believe, the quality control. Can you kind of explain, like, what, why you guys do that? Like, why, why you guys are you guys trying to break things, trying to find things? What are you trying to do when you're trying to torture test your own products, essentially? Yeah, there are certainly cases where we are trying to break it. We've got a a lab that shakes and heats and cools things until they break. Um, but our our labs that work on the actual filtration properties really are trying to solve real-world problems. And that, that's really where we've taken some of our lab capabilities more recently, too, in terms of understanding how a piece of equipment really operates in the field. You know, we, we think of airflow through uh, an engine. It isn't always static. It doesn't run at the same exact air intake flow all the time. Same for hydraulics and fuel and lube. And the contaminant that challenges are, are different. Uh, a, a combine running in a, a field at harvest time sees way different contaminants going at, into it an on-road truck would with maybe fine dust and uh, soot, but a generally low concentration of it. So 
what our labs are trying to do is really simulate those real world conditions to predict how these will operate in the field and protect the equipment that uh, people are paying for the filter to protect. So, you know, when it comes to fuel and oil and hydraulic filters, they're usually round canister type looking things. Air filters yeah. seem they can be any any form factor at all. And I've always wondered, like, how how does that happen? Is it the, is it is it the manufacturer just saying, hey, we're building a new a new thing and we need we need to have a filtration? They kind of give some specs and you guys have areas you got to figure out how you're going to make it work or what's the process goes through? Because as I said in the earlier, you guys are the OEM air filter for a lot of the truck manufacturers, if not all of them. So what's that look like when someone comes to you, Mr. Manufacturer, and says, hey, we're building a new truck and we need an air filter. Can you walk us through the process? Yeah, and to be honest, that, that probably changed a fair amount 20 or so years ago. Uh, if you look back a long time, even even our air cleaners at, at the beginning were generally round canister kind of uh, shapes with inlets on the sides or the ends. But as we went into these new emission standards and fuel economy standards and things like that, um, our air cleaners had to go under hood for fuel economy, especially for uh, on-road trucks where, you know, air uh, drag is a real issue. And as we did that, we we kept getting pushed into smaller and smaller spaces, right? So uh, the, the OEM would, cer would certainly give us some specifications. You know, they have a expected life that they have for a service interval. They have a certain level of protection that they expect uh, in an environment that runs, and they'll, they'll give us that data. And then they'll give us a space claim. If it's under hood, they might give us some really strange little shape and tell us you have to fit in here somehow, some way. And when you think of things like power core, that's really where this came from. It was uh, an invention out of necessity. We had to find a different way to fit into a smaller space and provide provide more benefit for it. And actually, I, I think I have one here. This little filter here that, that's on the table does the same as this. So you can see quite the the difference between between these two, and uh, that that was one of those design necessities is to be able to take something this small and make it operate like that big white filter I had. So up wait, 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 put, put that put it up again because I got, I got a question here now, right? So I'm going to explain for the audio too. So he, if you've ever seen that like an air canister, right, on the outside of a truck, the big filters that drop in, probably two feet tall, about a foot radius, um, and then yeah. he's got one that's literally, I don't know a quarter of the size high, but a little bit bigger, yeah. right? Eight, so, inches, eight inches tall, 12 inches round. Yeah. So are you, are you saying that, that, that one, that smaller one actually can do the same thing that that big one can do? And that's just, is that the technology difference that's happened here? Exactly. It's, it's same airflow, same dust holding capacity, which predicts the life of your, uh, of your filter. And actually this one will actually capture more small dust, fine dust because of our ultra web technology on there. So it actually does more than the big one all right and that's and that's due to like the shape or that's due to like the technology and the material inside that that filter yeah a little of both so we've got some proprietary technology in the actual sheets of media the the paper if you will of the media and then how we form it so this one when you when you look at it it looks like a bunch of flutes if you'd think of uh, corrugated cardboard the end profile of that that's uh, wrapped around there. We've, we've got some intellectual property we put in there uh, some time ago. We keep updating as we uh, advance it. So this is one of our newer generations of that technology that as we learn the, the science of separation, uh, we can do a lot more with a lot less. All right. So so you guys are a multi-billion dollar company. You got 11,000 plus employees. You're multinational and you've been doing filters for 100 years. And you're, you're telling me you guys are still learning new things about filtration through this process today. Every day, we uh, our, our goal is every year to spend three to four percent on R and D. We've got an entire corporate technology group that actually sits pretty close to my team as as well, and 
a week doesn't go by where they've got some new idea that we're we're testing to really change what the future filtration looks like. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's amazing, right? I mean, that's what you want is companies keep innovating and keep doing these things. Um, so anytime we talk about innovation and filtration and, and these things that are happening, what comes to my head right away is EVs, right? So I'm diesel laptops. Yeah. People ask me all the time, well, Tyler, what are you going to do when EVs are all over the place? And I'm, I, you know, we got, we got our response, but you're obviously making yeah. filters that go on engines primarily, right? So we don't need an air filter anymore, a fuel filter. We don't need a, an oil filter. How, how is Donaldson handling that? Because you're a publicly traded company. I'm sure those questions get asked. People might be looking yeah. at that being like, yeah, I, I don't know, guys. So what what's the response? How do you how does Donaldson view that? Yeah, it's certainly a common question, whether we're talking to investors, employees, customers. It's, it's one that comes up frequently. And, and it's something we, we watch. Actually, that same corporate technology group that I mentioned has a data science team. And they're modeling that for us in terms of how that impacts us as we look at what happens to the diesel engine. And we, we have some of our own forecasts in terms of you know, the first step might be hybridization, and then you've got uh, other alternative power sources, such as uh, EVs with batteries. But one of the things we're really looking at for that is, uh, especially for heavy duty, where we specialize, where our core markets are, is hydrogen fuel cell. That uh, batteries will fit a certain number of our applications, certainly, especially things that you can plug in at night and let them recharge before you come back the next day. But for those long haul trucks or the things that don't have a home base or need to run 20 out of 24 hours a day, that doesn't necessarily have the same benefit. So when we look at hydrogen fuel cell, it fits Donaldson actually. On a hydrogen fuel cell, we'll actually have three of our different businesses all providing filtration for those, those fuel cells, whether it's the intake it needs to stop some of the dust and the chemicals that would poison essentially a fuel cell or the membranes and the uh, venting and other things that actually need to, uh, to happen there as well. So we're prepared for it. It will change the outlook of what we sell but uh, we're there for the equipment long haul. Yeah, you know, it's amazing to me. A very similar story here, right? Because people keep talking like, again, hey, you're diesel. What are you going to do? I'm like, well, when all these fuel stations turn into charging stations, those are all computer controlled things that will need diagnostics and repair. So I, I, I really actually kind of excited about the EV thing. And I, there's opportunity for us there with some a lot of other things. Um, and that's it's, what's interesting, too, about the hydrogen thing is, you know, mainstream media they kind of hype up this whole EV commercial truck thing. And and I'm just telling everyone listening to this. Truck batteries have a long way to go and trucks are like 10,000 pounds heavier with them. So there, there's some technical technology things that got to get solved there before those really take over. But a lot of people in the industry, like myself, are like, man, hydrogen actually seems like the better solution that I think everyone's kind of waiting for. And, and obviously see people make a lot of investment. So it's really interesting to see Donaldson saying, hey, we're looking forward to hydrogen because there's a whole nother product line and this could be a great thing for us and a huge expansion for our company. So as, as time goes on, and I think the other one that, that really comes to mind as well has to be off highway. So off highway filtration has to be a little bit different than on highway, bigger, bigger mining operations, bigger vehicles. What are some of the, some of the differences in that application that you see? Well, certainly size, right? Uh, you can think of a, you know, a uh, 40-ton haul truck uh, needs a way different filtration package than a uh, Class 6 truck, right? But it, it's really around the environment, what we do with the contaminant that's coming at it. Um, when we look at air cleaners, you know, our kind of our core of where we started the business, uh, there we're going to have a lot of two-stage filtration. So we're going to do a lot of, like, inertial separation. You can think of, uh, you know, your Dyson vacuums or other things where you spin the, the air coming in hard so that the heavy particles expand out. And in some of those cases, we're separating 90, 95% of the dust before it ever even gets to the air cleaner. Because if we didn't, those 
those trucks, those tractors, whatever it may be, would be constantly maintaining their air filters. Certainly in the off-road, then, too, we see a lot of hydraulics, right? The fluid power is a, a major portion of, of how those machines do work. Well, one of the things that I know I learned when I was with you was, hey, people aren't changing their filters when they should. And I thought you were going to go down the path of they're not changing them often enough. But you guys actually went down the path of they're probably changing them too early in a lot of situations. And I know we have filter minder and filter minder to connect. And I got to assume like on a, you know, an excavator or one of those huge mine hauling trucks that it's not just a hundred dollar air filter when they go swap out air filters. These things are a little bit more expensive due to the complexity and the size and, and all these things. So can yeah. we talk a little bit about filter minder connect? Can you explain that to everybody? Yeah, so FilterMinder Connect is our IoT uh, initiative for diesel engines and understanding filtrations. And you know, one of the things we like to say is, um, imagine if your filters could talk to you, if they could tell you how much life they have left, how they're operating, what the condition of your oil is that they're filtering, uh, things of that nature to really help you optimize your maintenance schedules. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, am I changing my filter on time? Is it, am I too late or am I too early? And really what we've uh, discovered is many times you're servicing it too often. You you haven't used up the full life of your filter when you have, have uh, come up to a service interval. Now, there is certainly a balance between bringing in a piece of equipment for service every time something happens versus getting a lot of things done when you do take it out of service. But uh, with this intelligence, we can help you get there um, to make sure that you get the full value out of your filter you're choosing the, the the filters that can actually get you there, you know, premium brands with premium technology and performance and things that can really help you lower your maintenance costs and total cost of ownership. Um, so FilterMinder Connect works in a, the same way as a lot of telematics things. We, we plug in that to actually your existing telematics. That's one of the, the foundational uh, desires for us is not to add more complexity to your, your fleet and your equipment that if you've got a telematics provider that we can help you find a way to plug into it, see it on their existing dashboards and websites and really enable folks to have more intelligence about some of the things that they maintain the most on their equipment, you know, their filters and their fluids. All right. So filter minder connect, it's part hardware, part software, because what you're talking about is being able to measure things you can't measure on a truck. Cause there's no sensors measuring oil quality or viscosity, or I'm not even sure what you guys are measuring on these things. Right. But, yeah. um, so how does it work? Like if, if somebody wants to monitor and I, I got to assume this is because there's hardware costs, it's probably more off highway than on highway. We do the, do the cost of these things, but what does that look like? I have to buy a package and I have to install it myself and punch some new holes in some things. What, what's it look like? Yeah. A little easier than that. And in fact, actually we are the on-road trucks are, are the place that you're going to find uh, our products most available and ready right now. Um, so th it's easier because we use wireless sensing technology. So on an air cleaner, there, there's usually a sensor today. It's usually mechanical and visual. So you have to pop the hood and kind of look at where it's at. It's um, generally that way. Sometimes we have a couple electronics that will turn on a, a light on a dash or something like that. But with this one, using wireless technology, we're not asking you to pop holes to your firewall and run a bunch of extra wires and, and that sort of thing. But we have kits to allow for air filtration, measuring the restriction, you know, how much uh, pressure drop is across that filter. Uh, looking at fuel and lube. On the lube side, it's oil conditioning. So we're, we're looking at things like you, you mentioned, uh, viscosity. Is there soot in the oil? Is there uh, coolant or fuel dilution? Uh, some of those things that would predict that your oil is degrading faster than it should. And, and really, that's where the value of this comes in. We've saved engines already. 
by being able to tell you that you have a problem before you've taken out an engine. Maybe you have an EGR leak, something like that, and it's a couple thousand dollar fix. That's a whole lot better than an engine at $40,000. Yeah. So how long does it take someone to install one of those kits on a commercial truck? Is this like a, a full day adventure or is it relatively straightforward? Uh, I, I wouldn't consider it a full day. You're going to probably need a couple hours here to to plummet in. Um, you know, you're going to use generally existing ports and things for, if you're just looking for the air filter, you're probably looking at uh, less than an hour. It's, it's screw one thing off, screw one in, plug in your um, devices to like a GeoTab Go kind of device and a wireless sensor works with that. As you plumb into things like fuel and lube, you know, anytime you open up a, a system like that, there's probably a little work, but uh, certainly less than today. Yeah. So do I get an app? Do I get an email? Or do you guys monitor for the user? What's it look like once it's installed? Who's who's watching this thing and how does it work? Yeah. So part of that design is for like the GeoTab Go example I had, um, we'd be hooking right into those. So we'd provide you with a dashboard of uh, some of the analytics, certainly the, the data coming off of those sensors means almost nothing to anybody that isn't deep in infiltration. So our, our data sciences team are are helping with taking sensor data and turning it into intelligence, action-driven uh, insights for, for the customers. But the idea there is you access that dashboard in your existing telematic systems. Yeah, so have you guys gone down the, like, is it just a reactionary thing now? Or are you guys heading down the predictive path to be like, oh, hey, next week or so many hours, you're going to have to change your filters? Where Where are you guys currently at? Yeah, pr predictive is absolutely where we're, we're going to be. And you, you think of where engines started, you know, we, we talked about uh, at the onset of diesel engines, there wasn't filtration. Well, as that came on, OEMs and, and folks like Donaldson, we had to start predicting how long will your oil last, how long will the air filter, but it's really rudimentary, right? It's, all right, I know I can get 500 hours on this off-road equipment or 50,000 miles on this truck. We predict it, but it's always to the lowest common denominator, right, of... Uh, Severe duty, even if you're running kind of a light duty route or something like that, you're probably still servicing it on something that maybe a cement truck or vocational truck still might be experiencing. With our predictive, it's going to learn from your behavior, from where your fleet operates and help you optimize to what you experience. Yeah, predictive is like this whole new frontier, right? And I, I saw this study years ago, and this guy made this chart on just kind of the evolution of diagnostics. And he was absolutely right, like predictive, <laughs> predictive is where things are going um, and I was just talking to another company. They do they do predictive, but over kind of like the whole truck on existing sensors and whatnot. And it was I found it I found it interesting because I'm like, well, what's their process look like when you're we're getting a new customer involved? And he goes, oh, well, they you know they we use their geotabs or devices, we use our software, our algorithms. And he goes, and then we send them insights. He goes, but the funny thing is on demos and in trials. Our customers don't actually do anything with the insights. They wait for it to actually break to see if the insight was correct. <laughs> so, so they're doing it a different way. So hopefully people aren't blowing up engines, you know, and, and proving out things that way. But that, that I, I found it hilarious that customers are willing to break things just to prove that that something works and can be predictive. Uh, it just it kind of took me back there for a minute. Um, and I know you have over there again on screen for people in the video. You have a blue filter. You have uh, you have a different yeah. you have a different product line. And I guess I didn't understand this about Donaldson either is you have like essentially a premium line that's Donaldson. So if you could explain that a little bit. Yeah, so right, right now we probably have uh, probably just shy of 200 products that we have under our blue trademark uh, kind of brand. Um, you know, Typically, if, if it's a liquid part, it's going to have a, a blue paint and housing. If it's an air part, it's going to have blue media that you can see. But that premium brand is really about uh, giving back to the end user in a, in a way that helps them optimize protection or uh, longevity of the filter. So, for example, on our Downs and Blue lube line, 
and we think of that that oil condition sensor we just talked about. If you're working with your oil vendor and your filtration vendor, you may be able to extend your intervals. You, you perhaps have to pay a little bit more for a premium filter and, and synthetic lube and that sort of thing. But if we can have that truck in half as often to have its oil drained and the cost associated with that, we can really bring some TCO to them. So th through that blue line, we've released a series of air fuel lube filters um, to, to really out help people optimize the protection and the life of uh, service intervals. So what surprised me over the last couple of years, and I mean, I remember being, a, you know, working as a service writer 20 years ago, and it seemed like the oil change intervals were, were really short. Like it wasn't that long you could go between changing. And then I was reading through some of our, some of our information we have in our system about maintenance intervals because the customer was asking. I'm like, man, is this, is this right? Can you really go this many miles before changing a filter, your oil filter and your oil? So what's changed? Is it, the, is it the filtration? Is it the oil? I mean, I know there's more emission stuff going on now inside the engine as well, and things are running hotter. It, it just shocked me. Like, what's what's changed there technology-wise? Well, it's a little of both, and I think it, when you look at the OEMs, they have to drive that way, right? They're, they're competing on total cost of ownership, and every time that that truck comes out of service and has a cost associated with maintenance, it hurts them on that, that total cost of ownership that these fleets are really paying close attention to. Um, but when it comes down to like the fluids like that, it was uh, through a lot of partnerships, right, where a lube filter alone may be able to get you a portion of the way. But if that oil is degrading because of acid based and the levels changing in the chemistry of it, you're not going to get far enough. So when you, when you look at those oil vendors, they're doing the same thing with their synthetic lubes, the additive packages they're putting in. And for, for some of ours, even like our coolant filters, We'll, we'll put additives back in that filter to help you extend the, those chemical properties as well. One of the interesting things I always find out with like brand names and manufacturers is oftentimes there's knockoffs, right? I mean, I was, I was in New York City not long ago and I, you know, I was all excited by some knockoff Rolex watches, you know, on the street. Does that happen with you guys? I've talked to a couple of manufacturers where people are like faking that they're Donaldson and those get into the market and cause that problem. Have you guys run across that, and how do you deal with it? What what happens there? Yeah, I think any major company is going to have some level of uh, knockoff and counterfeit kind of work. Um, we see it perhaps more globally than we do domestically, but it, nobody's immune to it either. Um, so, of course, our legal team is engaged, and, and we we engage those those counterfeiters and cease and desist and all all the the stuff that they'd work on. But part of it is also just making sure that we have you know proper intellectual property and brand standards and other things to help people identify that they are getting something of high quality. You're thinking of, of the purses, the watches, the other stuff that are counterfeit. Usually you can go pick out something that's that's different and you know uh, it's not real. But yeah. to be honest, where, where we see it hit us perhaps the most is less maybe counterfeit in terms of brand counterfeit, but rather people trying to emulate our technology that they really don't know the science behind it. And I think that's what's dangerous for the customers is it looks like it might fit. It, it looks similar, like it might operate. But when we test them, man, they, they could be pretty dis disastrous for uh, for the piece of equipment that they go on. You know, I, I think I think it was Lori that said this when I was touring your place. And she just made the comment like, look, this is like an insurance policy against your engine. And this is, this is really the yeah. place where you want to go save money, right, to blow up your $40,000 engine. Um, which I was like, you know what? That's actually a really good comment. It's probably not the place I want to go save and, and try to find some inferior product to save a couple nickels. It's just, it's just not, not worth it. And I can tell the audience after spending time there and, and learning more with you guys over the last you know year or so here, there, there is a lot of effort and a lot of engineering and a lot of care to, to quality 
that goes through and a company doesn't make it 107 years putting out a poor product, right? I mean, customers at the end of the day want to buy good products that protect protect them. They want to they want to buy a solution, not a product. And it really seems Donaldson's been been focused on doing that for over 100 years. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I look at with that is uh, just the, the necessity of filtration. You know, in a perfect world, you don't need filters. Your air is pure, your fuel and lube, but that's not the case. And you need that insurance policy, right? You've invested a lot in a piece of equipment. You, you want to make sure that that, uh, that piece of equipment operates uh, to its fullest extent. Well, Eric, if people are listening, they want to learn more about Donaldson. I know you guys offer, you know, more than just filters over there. Um, the training, the support, the, all the things that come along with it. Um, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't also want to just say this for all, like I see this on Facebook groups all the time for people that are over tightening their filters, just please just look at the label. Just look at the filter before you put it on. They literally have them printed on there. How tight to put those things. So please, you will, you will save the stress of diesel technicians everywhere. If you actually read what you're putting on the vehicle. Yeah, for, for those on the video, of course, we've got uh, a little series of arrows on the top and a, a portion of our pictogram that tells you, is it to touching in three-quarter turn or full turn? We'll, we'll tell you how to do it and uh, save yourself some of the stress. So, uh, But to your question, if people are looking for more information, certainly our website is a, is a great spot to go. Lots of resources, including more information on the FilterMinder Connect, um, right on the main page of the link there to, uh, to things even like our, our trials and things that we're offering on that product line. You know, connected things, right? That's the way the world's going. Technology, data, all all those pieces to make better decisions. And uh, it's pretty cool to see a filter company be really a software company. We're all technology companies at the end of the day. People just oftentimes don't realize it. So, Eric, thank you very much for coming on the on the show, talking to us about Donaldson, all the things you have going on over there. For everyone watching, listening, uh, I really want to say again, appreciate it. Like, comment, share, subscribe. We appreciate all that. It does help us get the word out there. And we'll catch you on the next one. It's not just diagnostics, it's diagnostics done right. And if you have great filters, you may not have to do as much diagnostics. Thank you for watching and listening.